Hi, I'm Dr. Sonia Whitaker, host of the Sonia Whitaker Podcast 2.0. Students know more, that children know more than we think. And I believe that because there's been so many times as school district official that I have visited schools and have become absolutely convinced that our students' results on the standardized test do not mirror, do not reflect their intellectual I'll suggest that we should pause for a moment as educators and ask ourselves, what role do we play as educators in making that happen? In June of 2019, California made headlines for becoming the first state to outlaw the discrimination of individuals. Doing what we can do together. What I'm most proud of for our district, and I know I'm not alone in this, is we have worked together. Unintentionally, we serve as counterproductive to supporting all children, and more specifically, black children, in reaching their fullest uh, intellectual potential. New York City schools, particularly as it related to the number of students of color, the purpose of this podcast is not to admire problems. The purpose of this podcast is to identify issues that are impacting education, either directly or indirectly, and to provide for you recommendations for how to resolve the issues that have been identified so that you may continue about the business of ensuring that all students gain equitable access to a quality education. Happy New Year. I wish for each of you that are within the sound of my voice, uh, one, that, one of the happiest, healthiest, and prosperous years that you have ever experienced in your time on this earth, recognizing that, that you deserve it. I seek to do the best that I can to inspire hope in others, as many have done for me. And so I pray that um, the Lord continues to, to bless me with the skills, the talents, the capabilities, the energy, the desire, the strength, and the intellect required to make a difference on behalf of his people. Now, I mentioned recently via social media post that I, well, in fact, I said it this way. I said, um, if you want to know where I'll be in 2024, Look here. And the words that were underneath that post were the paint. And I want to go on record again as suggesting that in 2024, I intend to go hard in the paint. And I am in a very, very reflective mode right now about what exactly is meant by that. Um, for those of you who did not know, although I do not consider myself super athletically inclined, I actually love basketball. Um, I played basketball in elementary school, in high school, but I don't want to like trick you. I wasn't that great at it, <laughs> but I love basketball. And, um, you know, recently I went to a basketball game in Atlanta, kind of like 
um, out of the blue. And it was an amazing experience. I had a great time with people, um, established and maintained and nurtured great relationships, both on a professional tip and a personal tip. It was awesome. But believe it or not, with all the excitement that was going on in the area that I was sitting, uh, a lot of, I'll just say, movers and shakers in that space. It was a great space to be in. But uh, equally important is the fact that I actually watched the game and was reminded of how much I love basketball. And what I paid most attention to was what happened in the paint. And so that is the um, inspiration behind the podcast that I have for you on the first podcast of the new year for me. Now, going hard in the paint means a number of different things, but I really like the explanation that I'm going to read to you now, which is going hard in the paint is a phrase that originated in basketball and is used to describe a player's aggressive and determined play near the basket, especially when driving to the hoop for a score or battling for rebounds. The paint refers to the key or free throw lane area on the basketball court. Outside of basketball, the phrase has been adopted to convey a similar sense of aggressive determination or effort inappropriate in various contexts. I like that. I'm going to say appropriately, aggressive determination or effort in various contexts. Now, it's also important to recognize that shot attempts in the paint, this area of which I'm referring to, are traditionally only successful when made with strong connection to the score skill, overpowering strength, or a combination thereof. Going hard in the paint. So then as I prepared to deliver this message to you, I thought about just basketball in, in general and, um, and where the scores are actually made. Like literally you can make a score from, attempt to score from half court. <laughs> which I really like those um, halftime sessions where you can see people attempt to do that. That's pretty fun. Um, but I also recognize that you can score three points. I'm reminded three points that you can score right on the spot if you score in the three-point lane, which is far away from the paint. Uh, so I'll just take a minute and let you be impressed because I want you to know that I do know a little bit more about basketball than I actually realized. If you attempt to score in the three-point range and somebody fouls you, if I recall correctly, depending upon the type of foul it is, you get to three points if you score, but then you get another point or something like that if you go to the free throw line and, and make it, right? So the reason why I'm going into all of that is because, I, again, I want you to be aware that I recognize that there are many different ways that you can score points. With regards to being in the paint, what I've learned is that with regards to basketball in particular, as it relates to the use of this term, that's where most of the points are very often earned. 
high-scoring games very, very, very often, but not always, come from what happened in pain. So now I'm going to tell you another reason why I was inspired to um, record this podcast and then get into the message a little bit further. Um, I was actually, I'll just say moved by an experience that happened with someone that I mentor recently. And for some reason, I can't shake it. And this person actually does not know that I can't shake it. (laughs) I have the, I'll call it distinct honor of being in a position where some people trust me. I might make a post or a phone call or say something on a stage or be somewhere and someone that I know and very often someone that I don't know will come up to me, um, call me, text me, or direct message me from a social media platform and say, Doc, I need your help. Like you would not believe how often that happens. And um, what makes me really humble is when they actually open up with, Doc, I don't really know you, (laughs) but based on the message that you put out there, I feel like you can relate to what I'm going through. I even had one sister say, I could actually lose my whole career if you ever revealed what I just shared with you, but I'm going to do it anyway. And so if any of those people are listening to the podcast, I want you to know I got you and, um, and thank you for trusting me. And, and so I share that because relevant to this podcast, as I think about going hard in the paint for the 2024 year and the motivation behind it, I'm reminded of the fact that in order to be successful, and I've talked about this before, we have got to get comfortable with getting hit. And if I've never said this before, I I want you to know that I practice the policy of intentionality as it relates to more often than not making my posts my social media posts and my message positive. I just think that that's a lot better than taking a negative approach to things. It doesn't mean I don't mess up sometimes, um, but I just want you to know that overall that's my attempt. And so I share that because when I say taking a hit, I don't want to be Debbie Downer. Pardon the use of the term Debbie for people who, with a beautiful name Debbie. Um, but, but I do want to speak factually. And so again, going back to my motivation, Someone that I, I mentor and that I respect got a real good hit a couple of weeks ago. And she called me and she was crying. And no, you all, she wasn't just crying. She was wailing. And um, in this instance, there was an accusation launched against her, which proved to be untrue. But it hurt. And um, you all, she wailed and um, she cried so loud that it surprised me that my response, although she didn't know, was to cry also. Like I cried on the phone with this individual because the pain, oh God, you guys, the pain that she felt as a result of being hit 
it like came through the phone and it shook me. Again, to the extent to that today I, it really shook me in my core. This is this the point I'm making is about her, not me, but the fact that I could uh, be there for someone and experience pain at their level is a part of the reason why I do the work. And so after we got through that moment of her explaining um, the pain that she experienced as a result of the good swift kick, um, she retreated for a day or so now that I think about it and then reconnected. And after she pulled herself back together, I said, you good? And she said, I'm good. And essentially what I said to her, not so many words, which is something that has been said to me by people after I've gotten a good hit and I've called crying and upset, <laughs> you know. Um, what I said to her after I said it was like, oh my God, so-and-so said that to me and I thought it was mean. And, and pretty much you all, to make a long story short, what I said to her was, um, welcome to the paint. Welcome to the paint. And in the paint is where it all goes down. And what I mean by that is as this person aspires to the next level, much like myself and many of you that are within the sound of my voice, it is important to recognize that the closer you get to the goal, the closer you get to the paint, the more likely you are to be clobbered. I need to pause for a moment and let that resonate in your spirit. It's pretty heavy. I'm looking over Lake Michigan, I must admit, and I just... <laughs> I hate it when I plan to say one thing and then the spirit moves me to say something else. I would be remiss if I did not say that the fact that I am actually standing up, not sitting down, podcasting, um, overlooking the beautiful Lake Michigan with the sun on my face is a, a testament to what happens when you exercise faith the size of a mustard seed, even on the other side of of getting hit. I'll talk more about that in some ways uh, in a moment. But again, I had a very legitimate moment with you as I, as I worked to seek to inspire you. So back to the story at hand. I said to this sister, yeah, welcome to the pain. It's where you get clobbered. If you're out operating outside the pain, meaning if you're in the safe zone, then it is highly unlikely that you're going to get hit. And so, point, so the point that I was making to her and the point that I want to make to you is we've got to build up our stamina. <laughs> I guess script, scripture would tell us we've got to put on, on our armor, right? We've got to be able to withstand the hits in order to get to the next level, is which, I want, which is what I want to reiterate. And, you know, I'm a diehard leader, and I always think about leadership lessons. And so the other... Um, leadership lesson that I am thinking about right now is when I aspired, I started out as a classroom teacher, always aspired to lead. 
but nobody ever talked to me like I'm talking on this podcast right now, meaning that the closer you get to advocating, particularly on behalf of the vulnerable, particularly on behalf of um, America's neediest families, neediest in terms of um, their need to access financial wealth. I'll just say groceries even. How about that? Start with that. Um, the more that you make a commitment to advocate for America's neediest, the harder it gets for you. I didn't, I didn't realize that when I was a teacher and then started out um, and then moved on into administration. But again, I cannot reiterate enough how important it is to, to recognize that fact. And so as we enter into the 2024 year, which I am doing, I hope you are too, with a great degree of enthusiasm. I think it's um, in order to move forward, we do have to look back. Uh, for me, both personally and professionally speaking, twenty in 2023, the highs were very, very, very high. And the lows were very, very low. But for me in 2023, the highs outweighed the lows. I hope the same for you, if not in 2023, as you reflect on your past, but most certainly as you move forward into the 2024 year. Um, One thing that I will say about um, 2023 and beyond that, and believe it or not, you all, when I reflect, I actually am not just thinking about 2023. I turned 50 a couple of years ago and I reflected, but not as much <laughs> as I should have because I just couldn't even believe I was turning 50. And I celebrated, I think, a year later. So I was like just trying to digest the fact that I was near halfway through my life. Right now, I'm, I'm very deeply reflective about that um, as I prepare to age another year or to add another year onto my life if it be the Lord's will. Um, but that, with that being said, the one thing that I do know in, in my moment of reflection is that my comeback is a beep, 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 beep. <laughs> Listen, if I might use my comfortable language, my comeback ain't nothing nice. And yours isn't and won't be either. As long as we continue to maintain the stamina that is needed to persevere. You know, I actually also mentioned to you all recently that I had the honor, which again, anytime I'm asked to serve and give of my time, as long as it's not being taken for granted and I feel appreciated, I consider it an honor. And I had a doctoral candidate um, who entered me into her study. And she actually gave me a little bit of a hint. She was studying um, black female superintendents, what is the title of her dissertation, something along those lines. And she called the power structures um, that they used or tactics that they used in order to be successful. So she, so she made me a subject of her study. But, but she did let me in on a little bit on the end of what she discovered, which I found pretty fascinating. The one thing she said before she completed her study is that she had begun to see a trend and a pattern in what the black female leaders did to be successful or to to maneuver through the power structures that serve as counterproductive to supporting them and achieving the goal that they have established, in my case, relevant to advocating and progressing the black agenda. Um, 
the one set of characteristics she saw in terms of strategies for doing what that which I have just described consistently was a very, very strong sense of faith. Now I'm going to say something I've never said publicly before, and that is, it's even hard to say it right now. For a long time, I wouldn't mention faith. And I was actually afraid. I'll, I'll be totally vulnerable and say afraid because I feel like um, sometimes when people talk about faith or praying, then they are sometimes like perceived as you got to be perfect. Oh my God, I love my podcast because I swear I could not have practiced this. <laughs> but I'm just going to say it. it's the truth. So I would not like say faith or I pray because then I'm like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Then somebody's going to think I think I'm perfect. No, I don't. And nobody's perfect. And yeah, I do pray. And I do, I do appreciate what the doctoral candidate shared with me is that the fact that she saw that as a consistent thread and so I don't know who you pray to or talk to or meditate to or any of that. But as a word of inspiration, entering into the 2024 year, recognizing how hard the hits will be because none of us are ever promised that anything is going to be easy. Um, in summary, so far, I'm saying to go hard in the paint. Don't let it stop you going toward your goals, recognizing that in the pain is where it all goes down. You're going to get some hits. Um, recognize that your comeback can be a beep, beep, beep. <laughs> and, uh, and determine where you're going to go for your strength during those times while recognizing the importance of using not only your strength, your skills, your talents, your experiences, both positive and negative, for the benefit of helping others. And so I'm going to close with what I actually did write down, which is some either terms or statements are biggest lessons learned in 2023 in hopes to inspire you. Wow, yeah. So one of my statements is, if I knew then, what I knew now, what I know now, I would have worried a lot less. If I knew then, what I knew now, I would have worried a whole lot less. Um, you all, as I set up in headquarters here, overlooking this beautiful, beautiful lake, I um, found lots of boxes with journals in them. I did not know that I was a journaler. Like, I don't have a fan. I don't have fancy journals. I like got a 99 cent spiral notebook. I don't know. I love spiral notebooks. And I love to like write on typing paper, printer paper with no words. Like my staff knows when I start thinking, they're like, give her a piece of paper. Just pull it from the printer. I love it. But so I found as I'm trying to organize things, I found a lot of uh, journals or notebooks or white typing paper where when I gotten a good hit, I just started writing. It was a management strategy that I didn't know. Someone asked me recently, doctor, you journal? I said, no, yes, I do. I didn't realize it. So actually going into 24, I want to be more intentional about that. But the reason why I said that is because when I used the term, if I knew then what I knew now, 
I would have worried a lot less. I was able to see at the beginning of some of my hard hits over the last, I'll say, 10 years or so, I'm essentially crying as I'm writing, right? Oh my God, what's happening, what's happening, what's happening? And then as I continue to journal about the same topic, I noticed I began to get stronger and stronger and stronger as I started to think about my faith and, and recognize that that was the only thing that was going to help me get through it. And so when I get on the backside of some of those things um, and then go back to the beginning in terms of my journaling, I'm like, oh, yeah, God, I really was. I worried my little self to death at the beginning of that. And so often as I pick up different journals, I say, oh, I got over that, got over that. That's gone. That's not there. I'm better. That happened to make me a better person. Now I'm like, I'm good. So that's one of the biggest statements that I have that I hope you draw something from. I was going to tell you what I hope you draw from that statement, but I don't need to do that. You know what that means or doesn't mean to you. Next thing I want to say is that life is not without hits. I put they're going to happen. They're going to happen the closer you get to the pain. In the closer you get to the goal or the who, that's where things go down. So you got to develop stamina. You got to have a strong prayer and meditation life. You got to be clear about where you're going to go to draw your strength. Another point. Spend time with people who energize you. Wow. Spend time with people who energize you. Okay, I'm going to go out of limb and tell you sometimes I'll have people say, Oh, Doc, this is good. This is working for me. My interaction or exchange with you is working for me. Well, what about what's working for me? <laughs> like, seriously, in relationships and friendships, I think it's important for us to determine to what extent that situation or exchange is actually working for us, too. That amazing counselor say to me, uh, Doc, you are always working in your gift. I don't separate from my gift. I'm always thinking about something related to my work. You all, even when I'm relaxing, I just can't help it. It's the way I'm built. So that means all aspects of my environment have to contribute to me being able to be creative. And so that's what I mean by when I say making sure that whatever environment you is you are in situation relationship friendship works for you and I actually gave this example to a good friend of mine the other day I said you know um, we're always in education we talk about an environment conducive to learning for students we want them to be able to learn be it in a chair be it uh, be it by the water be it um, in a beanbag seat be it in a, a desk that stands up like the one I'm standing up at now and leans down, whatever it is, for students to reach their fullest potential academically, socially, and emotionally, want an environment conducive to that happening. I think the same should be the case for grown-ups as we aspire to the next level, which really positions us better, if you think like I do, to be good for your family and your and your friends and people that you keep in your tiny, tiny circle. Um, so think about that. Spend time with people who energize you and which includes assessing the environment in which you currently reside and or work in to make sure that you're able to operate in your full gift so that you can be of great benefit to the people that you care about. 
in the people that you love. Oh, I am actually glad I wrote this down. Sometimes that means you got to sit by yourself. Sometimes that means you have to be alone. And what I mean by that is, I, I referred to um, an expert just a moment ago who told me, Doc, you're always operating in your gift. She actually produced a magazine, and I, I really, I just read a few pages of it. And the first thing I thought was interesting was how she was talking about how important it is to, to sit alone in your house, in your office, at work, even when you have family or a spouse there. She, it's, she talked about how important it is to have a space, a room, or a corner, even when you're in the house with everybody else. And even for the people that you love, but the people within, I'll say in this case, your house can go and recharge and retreat and re-energize, same for work. What does that look like for you? I can't help but to wonder how many people don't ever get time to just think. I posted the other day on social media as I looked over the water. The water's, it calms me. It makes me feel like super duper creative. What does that look like for you? Are you, are you accomplishing? Are you on track to accomplishing your goals, your dreams, your hopes, and your aspirations? Are you working toward your fullest potential as an intellectual? All of us have gifts and talents to give to this world. As a mother, as an auntie, as a wife, as a friend, whatever is most important to you. Are you are you on track to accomplishing those goals? And or are there anything or things around you that serve to pull you away from accomplishing what I have described? The only way to truly get to that point is for you to commit to spending some time alone thinking about uh, not just what works for everybody else, but what works for you too. You're worth it. I love that. The more I think about that, the more I really love that. I have commit to growing, continuing to grow as a person. I want to, that's a commitment that I have. I'm not even really ready to share exactly what I mean by that, but because um, I'm really just trying to work it through in my quiet space, uh, in my happy place. Um, so I don't know, perhaps I'll share that at some point, but just still working on that. Um, and then I want to end with a quote that I actually just saw a moment ago I thought was very, very appropriate. And I did write that down. It says, um, may the silent battles we fought in 2023 transform into our loudest victories in 2024. That is my greatest hope for you. I thank you so very much for giving of your gift of time. And I look forward to continuing to check back in with you from time to time. And most importantly, I look forward to learning more about your success in all areas and aspects of your life. Thank you for listening to the Sonya Whitaker Podcast 2.0. You can follow Sonya on all social media platforms at Sonya Whitaker, S-O-N-Y-A-W-H-I-T-A-K-E-R. Also, you can access her podcasts on her website, sonyawhitaker.com. 
Click on live and on-demand radio to listen to previous podcast episodes.